0: Welcome to Shit Talk Fridays, a podcast where we talk about all things lifestyle and relationships with a splash of controversy. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I'm Gina. And I'm Evo. Thank you so much for joining us again today on this lovely Friday. Uh, I'll let you introduce what we're drinking. We're not dropping any names, but we'll tell you what kind of, uh, drink it is. We're
1: definitely looking for sponsors. So if you, um, you happen to see this and you want to send us a free bottle, we'd be glad to promote (laughs) you. So, but, uh, the type of the drink, what we're drinking tonight is tequila, my drink of choice favorite. Um, and we are drinking an Añejo.
0: Okay. Let's cheers. Cause a bitch is ready right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I didn't even give a shit if that was smooth or not. I just guzzled, I just took a, like a gulp of that. Usually I'm like, I sip it like a baby, but today I was like, I ain't playing no it's fucking games. that kind games. of day, huh? Yes, it is. Yeah,
1: you know what, though, it's okay. <laughs> it happens.
0: Um. So tonight we decided to talk about something that, came, that kind of like, it spawned from watching the movie Encanto. I watched this movie and I feel like it's also circulating a lot on social media. A lot of people are deeply in love with the movie for a lot of different reasons. But the thing that kind of jumped out at me watching the movie was how toxic uh, Latin families can be. Especially like the old heads. You know, you got your, your abuelas, you know your you know, your grandfathers, your aunts and your uncles that are like kind of old school. And especially if you're like first generation here to the united states and your parents have immigrated from uh, you know one of the many latin countries there are some things that are embedded in our culture that are really toxic and i would consider them social like there's like a i don't want to say that they're like a social construct but they they are birthed from things that are really like outdated And I would say directly intertwined with like prejudice and racisms that, you know, our family members still carry on for all the wrong reasons. So I thought, what not better to talk about this shit because we are Latino and I feel like I can directly speak to these type of experiences with family members. It
1: it is And it is a bit controversial to talk about these things, too, because, I mean, it's almost like things that. Are deep rooted in the family that mm-hmm. exist almost like behind closed doors, like within the household. That it's really not spoken about, you yeah. know, publicly. So we're kind of pulling back the curtain a bit on this and shedding some light on it.
0: I think though that anyone listening to this that is Latino or has friends that are Latino and have like been. You know, in the home. Oh, yeah. They know about this. They, they know about these yeah, things.
1: Of course. I mean, it's it's within the community. I just feel like that we're pulling it back because we'll, we will speak about it amongst each other and amongst yeah. our own community. But outside of that, it's not something that you really speak to other people about unless you're having like an in-depth cultural conversation about like the differences that the cultures have. But outside of that, it's not something that you just go complain about or just speak freely about because it's, you know, people don't understand.
0: Yeah, unless they are people from the same culture. Exactly. Even though I will say that this does kind of some of the isms that we're gonna talk about tonight are they kind of run parallel to another uh, another group of people of color that I'll get into that a little bit later. But um, so I, so I thought, yeah, fuck it, let's let's talk about this shit because um. I don't know. I just kind of feel like when I watched Encanto, I know everybody was in love with the music and I know everybody was like really... I, I Listen, I was especially happy to see the little boy Antonio with his uh, his curls and I was like... I, I, I don't know. I cried. I was probably at that time of the month where a bitch would have dropped a tear for anything but it was nice to see my culture represented but I definitely walked away feeling like damn yo e- e- this can even be delivered in an animation so that goes to show you how real it is I will say though that I think some of the isms that we're going to talk about tonight have come to the light um, on social media I feel like I see more people talking about it I feel, I feel like I see a lot of the younger generation trying to pull away from some of these things if you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, one ism in particular that comes to mind is, is a very prominent one. I think that, you know, m- almost all Hispanic families have to deal with is machismo.
0: Yeah.
1: um, I mean, <laughs> I want to say every hi- Hispanic family has that one or many members, male members of the family that are very machismo.
0: So what is what is that? I know what it means. But for our listeners and our viewers, can you elaborate a little bit exactly what that means? So
1: machismo is basically um, a strong, aggressive, masculine pride. Okay. Okay, And I'm just going to read something here. It said, you know, I I looked it up because I wanted to get like the full description of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And machismo is a sense of being manly and self-reliant. The concepts associated with a strong sense of masculine pride. An, exaggerate, an exaggerated masculine, masculinity. I'm going to say that again. An exaggerated masculinity. It is associated with a man's responsibility to provide for, protect, and defend his family. Mm-hmm. And so, because that's instilled in the culture, you know, throughout years and years and years of evolution, I mean, it's just become more and more and more exaggerated to the point where, I mean, it's, it's... It's affecting women mainly, you know, because they have to deal with it and accept it. Actually, women, it is a Latin belief that if a, if a man isn't being jealous and possessive, he doesn't want to be with you and he doesn't love you. And and women are taught to accept this, which is part of, you know, the whole being machismo. And it's, it's something that I think that now is dying out, mm-hmm. but is very, very much a, you know, an ism that people I know that I dealt with in my family um, with many family members.
0: Um, It's interesting that you say that you think that it's dying out. I don't, I don't think that that is necessarily the case. I don't think that people or women rather are as acceptant of it. Um, I think women now have a different level of freedom that maybe they were not exposed to, And, you know, like, I don't know how many years ago we're talking about, how many decades ago, uh, I can say firsthand that my dad was one of these men that exhibited those type of behaviors. And the reason why I think we say it's toxic is because, like you said, it's exaggerated. It is not even, like, to the extent of, you know, taking care of your family and protecting them. It's like, do as I say, not as I do type shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's de- it's definitely a, a point where it becomes a power trip but i mean there it became such an issue in certain countries like brazil and mexico um that they had to make laws against it you know even in mexico it it, it used to be so bad that um, at one point they started making public transportation just for women so that women could be separated from men because it happened a lot in public places
0: when you say it happened what well I just happening?
1: men being aggressive you know mm. just about every and especially towards women and you know and but then you know again that type of behavior was instilled in men and for an extended period of time um women were taught to to accept it and mm-hmm. to think that if a man wasn't being like that he didn't like you he, he wasn't you know he, He didn't love you. He had to be jealous. He had to be possessive. That was just part of being macho. Um, And, you know, men being men, they killed that shit. You know, they just, they overdid it uh, to the point where it became a big issue. And so um, politicians in Mexico specifically um, came up with a system where they could, women could commute separately from men because Mm -hmm. it was being, it was becoming such an issue in public places. Um, And, in Brazil things like that were happening as well where laws had to be created because the men were just being way too aggressive way too macho i mean you know I, they were they were being like that amongst each other and you know sp- you know especially towards women
0: i can't i can't say that i've i can't say that i have any familiarity with um you know these things that were happening in mexico or in brazil but am i surprised no mm-hmm. um But having a Dominican father, (laughs) well, I could tell you that that shit runs rampant in the Dominican community. I can't tell you how many times I've seen Dominican men with their wives. I'm not always sure if it's, you know, their wife or their girlfriend or, you know, whatever their partner status is. I see it firsthand and I've seen it firsthand where you know the men walk around like their shit don't stink i guess like that's the best way that i can put it
1: um well, if if you can
0: comp- and i'm sorry and and, right. and as i think about it it makes me it actually makes me realize like because i was exposed to it you know from my father i think that's why that's one of the reasons why i grew up as aggressive as i did because i Always told myself I was never going to be one of those women that allowed a man to treat me that way. Um, (laughs) And it's funny because I think over the years, my dad, you know, he simmered down a little bit because I think he realized that he was being a a fucking buffoon. Mm -hmm. Um, The further that he got away from that, like that lifestyle of like being, you know, macho or machismo, uh, because for a long time, My father was very much about, you know, women, money and cars and looking cool and dressing nice and, you know, having as many women as he could. But doing it in a way where it was like he did as he pleased, regardless of the woman's feelings, which is, I think, speaks directly to what it is that you're talking about.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you couple that with, um, you know, heroism you know embedded in in, in heroism like men being displayed as heroes oh. um in 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 movies and in you know and things like that in that type of culture and that era um it's really adding fuel to the fire really yeah i think so because if you're if so if you have a generation of men that are being raised to be macho and mm-hmm. machismos um and then in addition to that you know when they're watching tv and they're watching movies and things like that you know men are displayed as heroes so, okay. you know, you take that characteristic and you infuse it with the machismo. You know, you really kind of like that's like adding fuel to the fire, I think.
0: Oh, I I actually have never looked at it like that. Yeah.
1: So um, interestingly enough, the reason I say I feel like it's dying down is because um, I heard a, a quote from Tony Robbins. And it's it's not his quote per se, but he mm-hmm. was he was saying it in a lecture and he was saying that hard times create strong people strong people create good times good times create weak people and then weak people create create bad times and then the cycle begins because those bad times then again create strong people mm-hmm. so if you look at it in that aspect the generation of machismo were created because they were they were raised and brought up in a certain time But then there, then when that generation is passed off to them Mm -hmm. in that time, then they move forward and they create a different type of time, which their generation grows up in. And it's almost like a, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people, a lot of kids, I I would like to think is my own personal opinion that they grow up wanting to be different from their parents in most cases, you know, because. They grew up in a, maybe in a household where they don't agree with their parents, and mm-hmm. they experience a lot of characteristics about their parents yeah, that, of that they don't like. So, people that grew up in a machismo household and it did not be a good experience, it, it it wasn't a good experience for them. I could see them not carrying that forward.
0: But who? But okay, I I agree with you definitely. If you grow up in a household where there's like this level of toxicity, yeah, sure. you definitely don't want to carry on these traits. But when it comes to fathers raising their sons, I feel like. A lot of the times, the sons are living the better life than the girls in the household, because the sons are then treated like somewhat like the fathers. So, would you say that you think it's? I feel like it's. And, and again, this is my opinion, but I feel like it's very likely that the sons carry on the same type of behaviors. Yes
1: and no, but what I'm saying is that it is less likely to happen as often as it was happening, because you, you're 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 kind of growing into a new generation, mm-hmm. um, where those types of that type of parenting method Mm -hmm. is considered old it's not considered something that you know is progressive and you know you have the new generation that becomes you know partially progressive and they want to change and be different and those type of that type of parenting is not something that is you know it's not something that you want to take on to like bring into your children Hmm. do you understand what I'm saying I don't know
0: I understand what you're saying but (laughs)
1: Um, what are you thinking? I don't I'm like because you seem like a... I'm
0: thinking that it's still very prevalent. And the reason why I say it's very prevalent is because there are some very avid Latino communities in the Northeast, the Northeast, that where there are like a lot of Hispanics coexisting, I still yes. see it happen a lot.
1: Yes, but what you have is. I d-
0: I just don't think it's happening. Mm, Okay. I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. (sighs) Okay. I worked in retail for a long time and I worked in a particular type of retail store where a lot of women shopped and, and I worked in this one location where I got a lot of people from a particular part of New York. Mm -hmm. And when a lot of these couples would come in, that shit was prevalent. You know the women were the women were you know that yeah they were there shopping but they were like given time limits and they were being kind of like they were being belittled by their man that they were in the store with. Okay, they were being told to hurry up. You know, right. like like the man always made it seem like whatever the fuck he had to do was very important. Right. Um, and the woman he was doing her a favor by bringing her there. Like so- I-, I saw that shit happen a lot. So. And, and then in addition to that, I see a lot of these mothers that are raising young boys from some Hispanic communities that maybe there is a father in the household or there isn't a father in the household that they, te- they treat their boys like little princes. And they don't give them as much responsibilities as they do the girls. I, I, I feel like this is still happening because you have to understand, I still feel like there are still Hispanics. Immigrating to this country where they're still carrying that shit from the country here. We still have Kids being born into this country that are first generation and
1: I understand but
0: I feel like you and I we're we're um Our children are our second generation, you know we're the we're the right. first generation children I think our children won't do I think that's why I still feel like there's a good mix of it. I'm that's, not. I'm not.
1: That's. But this is exactly what I'm saying. Like I'm not right. telling you that it's it's flip of a light switch and it's yeah. over tomorrow. Yeah. What I'm saying is that it's happening less. Yeah. It's definitely not as prevalent as it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago, as it is now. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but you know, I just you know, you like to, you like to what I like the you like this you like to, yeah. you like to hit, hit hit the topics with the horns.
0: I I'll be honest, Evo. Um, I mean, I don't even have to say I—I—I'll I, be honest, cause you know how I feel about this kind of stuff. I do. I hate that kind of shit.
1: I know you. Do. I know you do.
0: I um, I actually think that Nicki Minaj says it best in one of her songs. She was like, "Um, I be around these men and I be boying them."
1: Yeah, but so like, for example, you know someone mm-hmm. we were just talking about this person the other day where, you know, they live a life that if their parents knew the type of life that they'd mm-hmm. it would be like blasphemy. Yes. So what I'm saying is that there's a lot of that going on now
0: mm-hmm.
1: where you have, yes, of course you have that type of authoritative figure going on in the household with the parents. Mm-hmm. But what's, transi- what's transcending to the children, yes, they're playing the role because mm-hmm. that's their parents. But what the result of it is is they're becoming two totally t- different people. They act one way with their parents mm-hmm. and act totally different you know, when they're by themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they're, like, doing yes, 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 yes. But in reality, I'm not about that shit. Yeah. And I feel like that that's where the disconnect is coming.
0: I agree. I guess we can say that, like, it's definitely not all. Not, like, I think there are kids that are definitely just falling and fucking in line with it. Yeah. and I, But I definitely do think that there are kids like myself that, you know, we go against the grain. We're just like, nah, this is not... I'm not cosigning this shit whatsoever. You know, I watched my dad be a fucking animal mm-hmm. for a good part of my life, and I remember telling myself from very young that like, I am not ever going to let a man be like that in my life. And the minute I get a, a fucking whiff of that shit, I'm out of here. And on top of that, I'm gonna let him know about himself. Yeah. Um. I wasn't. I guess growing up in the streets, um, I really had to learn how to like protect myself and fight for myself so when it came to that type of thing like I wasn't afraid to like tell a man and tell a man like what I thought even though maybe it would go in the and you know down the wrong way but um I still felt like it needed to be said because when I think about it I think about like back to like me working in retail you know that saying like the customer's always right yeah <laughs> i used to um I, I, I was the type of manager where i always like supported and backed my employees especially when a customer was like haggling them and the reason why i bring this up is because i feel like people will abuse a privilege right when no one tells them that they're being a fucking asshole so when you know customers would come around and try to be an asshole to my employees, I wasn't one of those managers that would go over there and be like, oh yeah, whatever you need, sure. No, I'd be like, actually, what my employee told you was 100% correct and you could go fucking kick rocks. Um, so that was something that I was always willing to do mm-hmm. uh, and I hope that there are women out there and I know that there are women out there that are willing to do the same I just think that you have to be smart about it, and I do think that there's young men out there that they don't want to carry on that toxic trait because, I mean, honestly, what really comes good out of that? I think I think it's very important to want to protect and provide for your family, and, and be like I guess the breadwinner, but all that other shit of like jealousy and envy yeah. and, um, you know,
1: it just it creates a point of control, you know, um, and when you grow up in a culture where that is. That is taught as the primary way of doing that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to divert from that when you don't know any better. Um, unfortunately, in other parts of the world, it's you know it still exists and it's still a way you know that is that hasn't changed for a very long time or not much progress has happened over the last twenty, thirty years. Mm. Um, but the good thing is is that there are parts of the world where it's totally different and there you know there has been a lot of progress. And hopefully within the next 50, 60 years, I don't know that that sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, that progression spreads more around the world.
0: Yeah, I think with social media, it will definitely become more and more of a thing because a message can get out a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. I will say, though, when you said that, when you don't know any better, I I think that that's such a valid point because when I was growing up, I had these next-door neighbors, and uh, they were... Um, my very good girlfriend at the time her mother and her father they were married and I remember just being in such awe of her parents because her mom was a dancer and her dad was like a teacher and They were very like well-educated people and I just watched the dynamic in their household and like how loving and caring the father was. And I was like, man, this is so different from my house. I mean, like there was so much I could say about this family, you know, like they had a living room full of books. I remember just being like, y'all read these things. (laughs) It was just like not how my house was. But I just remember feeling like, wow, this is how like... Two people that are in love, a man and a woman, treat each other when they want to support and love each other and grow with each other. Right. Not this like fucking where you been, where you going, what you doing, make me my dinner. Like that That stuff was it. So I feel very fortunate to have been exposed that, to that type of a, dynamic in addition to my aunt and my uncle who I lived with at one point in my life they were there was like there there wasn't that dynamic either mm-hmm. so I, f- I feel lucky in that regard that i got exposed to other families and other men and women and not thinking that that's the way that i should accept a man in my life right because you know that like i'm um, the way i'm raising our daughter <laughs> she ain't going to take none of that shit <laughs> zero but um in addition to watching like Encanto and seeing you know, like some of the toxic traits in the grandma, the abuela, you know, she was like very adamant about doing things a particular way. Like, we, you know, we can't step outside of this. But the one thing that I feel like that I saw in Encanto that fucking, like I said earlier, that blew my mind was the hair. So there was uh, two characters in the the cartoon or animation. It was Dolores and um, Antonio, which was the little boy who... He got his power by touching the door after you know the one main character didn't get it and when he stepped on screen and i saw his curls and there was like this one shot where they like like i guess zoomed into his hair his curls look just like the way my curls my curls do and i had honestly never seen that on screen i hadn't in, in an animation in a in a, in a in a cartoon i had yeah. never seen a character with curly hair. A lot of the times they would make characters that were like I guess supposed to have curly hair like they looked kind of like bubbled or like kind of cloud looking like mm-hmm. but there was like you couldn't see like the actual, actual spirals, yeah. So I got very emotional when I when I saw this, and I remember watching this with our daughter and her looking at me. She's like, "Mommy, why are you crying?" Because like nothing like nothing sad was happening, or nothing like really um, th- there wasn't like a big arc in the movie where she didn't understand why I was crying. And I explained to her because it was it was the first time that I had seen like you know my texture hair and an animation, especially from Disney on screen. Mm-hmm. And of course, that got me thinking about another ism that is very prevalent. In the Latin community, which is texturism, which is, I feel like it's a word that is very new to I want to say the last ten years, but even though it the word is new, I don't I feel like the prejudice is not or so, the the ism is not.
1: Okay, so what is texturism? Because I, I this is my first time hearing it.
0: Okay, so when we speak of texturism, we are talking about the the love and hate of a particular texture of hair in the Latin community. Oh, okay. So when I was young, um, my hair texture, you know, and sadly you really can't see it now because it is slicked back with all types of gel. Uh, But my hair, as many have seen on this show, is very curly. Um, And my hair would have been considered bello malo. Which translates to, and I'm sorry, my pronunciation is not perfect, but it translates to bad hair. Mm -hmm. Um, I was raised to think that my texture of hair was to be altered at all times. You know, um, growing up when I was young, I would say before the age of maybe high school, like maybe eighth grade high school, Mm -hmm. um, my hair was constantly processed straightened um but before that was happening when i was younger my mother didn't know how to manage my hair at all so she just she would constantly just uh cut my hair into like an afro shape um and could you imagine what that was like growing up for a little girl uh, i i basically got bullied and made fun of at every fucking waking moment of my life and um it was, it was rough because I feel like I had to, I feel like I had to like always defend like, like, like self, you know, like I, yeah. I always had to just be like, it's my fucking hair. Like, what the fuck do you want from me? Yeah, because you know? like, people always have
1: something to say about Yeah, it. Uh,
0: and real talk, um, I'm going to tell you some of the names that I got called because... Um, I also, I have spoken about this previously, like my mom and my parents weren't really, like they didn't parent me. So there were many mornings I got up and I had no one there to help me do my hair. So did my hair always look the best? No. Um, I got called Gumby because sometimes my Afro would kind of lean to one side because maybe I woke up a little late and I was sleeping and it was just kind of like leaning to the side.
1: God damn.
0: Um... Something that was really big during my growing up was Chia Pet. You remember that?
1: Chia Chia Chia.
0: Yeah. Well, they used to call me chi chi Oh,
1: my God.
0: Because my hair just grew out you in know, that shape. It's,
1: it's funny because, like, I've seen pictures of you when you were a kid. And yeah. I know what your hair used to look like. Yeah. And now, as you're saying, these, you're telling this story about you being in, in school and <laughs> being made fun of and called these names. Like, I could I could really see this, pa- this playing out. You know what I mean? Because kids were mean, especially back then. Oh like yeah. You were like you, it, it, you know, you went to school and you got roasted. Like that's what yeah. happened. You know, like I don't. These kids nowadays, they, I don't know. They just, I just feel like that they're they're defended against that, like they're they're shielded against. It. I mean, it still happens, but just not to the degree that we had to deal with. I mean, it was just, it wasn't school if you weren't getting roasted.
0: Uh, I actually think it's worse now, but that that's another. Conversation. I just feel like that
1: there's more of a campaign to sh- to prevent it now
0: yes but i still think it's worse now yeah
1: but back then it was the wild wild west like no was,
0: but i'm telling you it's worse now
1: okay all right maybe that's a whole nother topic. yeah like i said that's a whole nother yeah. topic
0: uh because w- what i will say real quick is that when we left school it stopped nowadays it doesn't stop because of social media but that's why i said it's another conversation we're,
1: we're, we're, we're talking about school here Gina, yeah all right <laughs> like, um, let's, keep, let's keep it contained there's right? actually
0: <laughs> there's actually a comedian member d ray he was yeah. like he was like you didn't get made fun of? That was school. Like, that's
1: what that was that was school. Like yeah, I don't know like, what the hell are you talking about?
0: You got fucking cut up every day when you mm-hmm. went to school. Yeah, so that was my life and I didn't really understand like I just didn't understand my hair as a young Latina. Like, I was just so fucking confused because I never saw anybody on TV that looked like me. I never saw anyone in music that looked like me. Uh, so I just didn't understand what the fuck I was supposed to do to my hair. And then you had all of these other Latinas that were, you know, basically trying to achieve the standard of the Western culture, which is to have more European-looking hair. Yeah. So... You couple that with uh, a little girl that's half Puerto Rican, half Dominican, and with a Puerto Rican mother that didn't really have as 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 tight curls as I did, I was just like thrown to the wolves. It was just like y'all yeah, know, some figure that shit out. You gonna be I right.
1: You was you was just you were trial and error. That's what you were. Yeah. If they would try shit, error. Try something else, error. Nah, you know what? Just fuck it. Just let it grow out.
0: I can't even tell you how afraid i was to go and get my hair done or go and get my hair cut at salons because
1: they didn't know how to cut your shit nobody
0: i remember one time um going to this one salon and getting my hair cut and i walked out of there and i remember just being in fucking tears because i was just like (laughs) and if anybody knows anything about going to like a hispanic salon like back in the day um everybody got the same fucking haircut. You got like the shoulder haircut and they be like, do you want, you know, you want bangs or no bangs? It was like, that was the only thing I walked out there with this like box shape haircut where like, if I didn't wear my hair straight every day, it just looked like my hair was shaped like a bell because they cut my hair to be straight. They didn't cut my hair to be, they didn't cut my hair to be curly. So like I was always stuck in this rock in this hard place. And, you know, the Dominican community became very well known for the Dominican blowout. Like what girl or what Dominican or Puerto Rican that you don't know from uptown or the Bronx that they not walking around with a fresh blowout in a doobie with their little like um, netted, um, uh, like their crochet netted thing on Mm -hmm. with the, you know, the pinchas trying to preserve that shit for at least a week trying not to sweat it out, trying to do everything just to preserve your hair to look straight because in our homes, we were told by our mothers, by our aunts, and we were told by society that our type of hair was not accepted. You know, when I got into the work world, into the corporate world, I didn't see women wear curly hair. I literally felt like if I didn't wear my hair back slick like the way that it is now or straight, Mm -hmm. I was going to get looked at weird um and when i did wear my hair curly i would get comments you know i remember one time uh, a old boss of mine being like wow i can't believe you fit all that hair into that bun you got so much of it and i was like and um this is when i worked in a very male-dominated industry and you know like I'm slick with the tongue. Mm-hmm. And I turned around and I was like, "Well, I got some hair if you want to. Like, I got some hair to spare if you need cuz I see you, you know, you lacking a little up here." But that That's was a the, yeah, that that was the type of shit that, you know, you hear when you have hair that looks different from what is more widely popular. So, you know, there comes this discrimination of a particular type of texture within our own communities cuz what's happening is is that the mothers are tr- The mothers are teaching their daughters that you look more beautiful if your hair is straight rather than in its natural state.
1: Well, don't you don't you think that um, that straight hair, European style hair um, is what was associated with what at that time was considered privilege? So people of privilege typically had the straight European type of hair. So do you feel that in order to be to resemble or to somewhat be looked at or potentially looked at as partially privileged or not to be looked at or stereotyped as um maybe someone who lives in poverty or stigmatized because you don't look like what the typical person of privilege looks like that that was adopted to Latin, the latin culture mm-hmm. so that they weren't uh looked down upon
0: um yes i i would agree that partially that, yeah like i
1: yeah i don't want to say that that was like the full you know full-fledged reason but yeah,
0: partially i think definitely partially um but i think it's more of like trying to be accepted rather than being looked at as privileged right so what i mean by that is um
1: but the but hair, I'm sorry, but I just want the hair is something that represents culture, right? So in in mm-hmm. men in different cultures, they oh, well, in different cultures, uh, especially the women, they have different ways of doing their hair that represents the culture. Correct. So, um, by straightening the hair and. Making look making the hair look like European, it's mm-hmm. easier for someone of that that culture to identify with that person, even though they're not of that culture. I understand. What it you're creates like kind of like a common ground. Yes. And so and you and now you're like a representation of that culture.
0: Yes. Uh yeah, definitely. But I think th- the the true like foundation of it comes from trying to be accepted and trying to assimilate into a westernized world for sure um even further like i said earlier is that this particular ism runs directly concurrent with the black community black women had to do the same thing a lot of them straighten their hair and their natural texture is something that was not accepted in the work world and and just and just even in schools you know like before civil rights and even after that a black woman's texture of hair and and some black males you know like if they didn't necessarily wear their hair long but they kept it very short um because it it was considered not presentable so like those things run like so directly close to each other which this stems from racism you know this comes from a particular race unfortunately white you know looking down upon another race and another ethnicity as their natural features not being what is acceptable you know so that is something that like I feel like black women and Latin women, we like understand, you know, we can look at each other like, you know how many times I've like, you know, me and my me and my like, you know, black friends, you know, we joke about going to a Dominican spot and getting a blow off for twenty dollars. Like that is something that we connect on. But then at the same time, it's like it, it can go even deeper. There can even be texturism. Like discrimination within the same culture. So, for example, um, let's say my, my, my level of curl, right? My level of curl is considered like in the, what's considered like the three family, right? It's not wavy, but it's not super tight. It's just like right in the middle, right? Now that we're starting to see more curls out in the world, right? And more like different textures as far as coils, it's starting to be seen as My particular texture is more favorable. And since my texture is more favorable, people who have tighter curls or looser, they're being discriminated against. So there's like a fucking other level to this shit. Like, okay, so now we move from, now we're starting to embrace embrace our natural texture but like now since you know society is pushing forward just one particular type of texture like you see it more often than you see some others Mm -hmm. that some of the other textures are still not being accepted you know like i have a son who has dreadlocks that is still sometimes frowned upon yeah so i find it still so crazy that we're still trying to figure out in a world where we know that we're all not the same that we just can't fucking accept a, you know a particular uh, group of people for what they naturally look like like there's almost this expectation for them to have to alter their state for them to be accepted I do think that there should be a standard as far as like if you're in a corporation there should be like how whatever type of texture hair you have yeah it should be well groomed but what is well groomed for a person with four c hair versus a person with three b, person a person with two A? I'm getting a little technical as far as like curl patterns. but I think society should educate themselves on these things, and it shouldn't just be like, well, this is all that I know, and this is the standard that you need to meet. Otherwise, this ism of texturism will continue to be perpetuated. Because people yeah. are not understanding.
1: Well, I mean, to say that sh- sh- society should teach themselves. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I guess I'm fucking asking for. Too I think much. you're asking for a bit too much there. I think that. <laughs> I think that. Evil said, it, "Actually, no." Yeah, you're, you're right. That's wishful thinking. Um, you know, <laughs> well, as you're sitting here talking about this, all I keep thinking is that you know the reasons these isms exist is because people are taught the negative aspects of these particular types of textures per se Mm -hmm. so if you take dreadlocks for example and Mm -hmm. you say how dreadlocks are frowned upon Mm -hmm. they're frowned upon because you know there is a type of there is a part of the culture of people who wear dreadlocks that you know show that type of culture in a negative light Mm -hmm. and so that is the light that's that's the part that's highlighted Mm -hmm. and that is the part that's put out into um you know social media or things of that nature you know and then so when you learn about it you see about it you think about it negatively because that's what you've been taught that's the light that you've been that it's been shined shun upon you right but if if there there is beautiful aspects of dreadlocks and what it means to the culture and why people wear dreadlocks and and the, the depth of it right but if so now if those things were the initial thing that were taught mm-hmm. then there wouldn't be a negative sti- stigma on it mm-hmm. you know so what I think that there should be some, t- it should be, you know, and I hate to do this because I feel like that this is the go to, but it should be something that should be embedded into the curriculum of learning. You know how a lot of
0: acceptance the, of hair,
1: acceptance of hair, accept, acceptance of cultural differences, things that mm. are stigmatized or st- things that have isms to them. There should be a uh, an effort to reverse that the way that these things are seen and to to, to shed a better light on them. Mm-hmm. So that people move forward that when they see them they don't think negatively about them.
0: Well, I think one of the best ways to learn about something is to expose yourself to it.
1: I understand. So but it, it, you're again, you're, t- you're putting it upon someone to go and expose themselves to it. What I'm suggesting is that it be put in front of them as something that they must consume at some point in their life with a bunch of other stuff that they're having to consume. Mm, I don't it know. become part of a curriculum of some sort because to uh, to say i'm sorry but just you like i feel like you you do that a lot where you're just like you need to go educate yourself or like you know or it's very easy to find out you know this is this this information is out there you know and but people if they don't really care to learn about it Mm -hmm. they're not going to go out and put invest their time to learn about it
0: Mm. i have a lot to say about what you just said of course you do I have a lot of feelings about what you just said because I just think that currently right now we're living in what is c- considered like you know it's a pandemic and mm-hmm. it's been going now fucking you know t- over two years and people are being give- have been given a lot of information they have been taught things and people are still rejecting it so I I personally think the o- the real only true way for someone to be fully accepting, of a night of of something that is very different to them is for them to educate themselves.
1: Okay, but because
0: not- honestly, Evo, uh, to say that like if we put it into the school system, that some would walk away and go, yeah, I have a better appreciation for dreadlocks. No,
1: there's a better chance of it and someone just then to just to just expect people to go and teach themselves. You have to understand Gina that these things were taught to people mm-hmm. at a young age. Mm-hmm. This is how these this is how these these isms mm-hmm. came to cultivate and become part of someone's life. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because they were instilled in someone at a young age. Mm-hmm. Okay? So to change that to re, you have to reverse engineer that mm-hmm. and instill something different at a young age and then have that move forward with the generations okay what's your suggestion which we obviously we just chuckle to laugh at it where you're just like people need to go educate themselves you just threw that out there like if it was just something that could just be flipped on like with like you know like the light of a switch i don't
0: think it can be flipped on evo but i i personally think it's the most effective way i think when you are directly impacted by by something you are more likely to make a change but when it's just like force-fed to you no I don't, I, I personally just don't feel like people swallow that kind of shit. Like okay. they'll sit there and they'll just like, they'll nod and they'll smile. But are they really going to give a fuck? I don't think so. When
1: you, when you teach someone, somebody that when you teach something to someone who has an unbiased opinion about something, it is very easy to, it's, it's very, it's very easy to um influence the way that that person feels. About that particular subject.
0: What do you mean? Okay, so you're saying okay.
1: So what, what I'm saying is that right now we have a, you, you're talking about you know people who look at these cultures and these in these uh, particular traits about these cultures in a negative light, mm-hmm. right? Now they already have a bias mm-hmm. about the way that they feel. Mm-hmm you're suggest you're suggesting that they go educate themselves they take it upon themselves to realize that they're wrong about the way that they see this mm-hmm. and they need to see it in a different light to mm-hmm. correct the way that they okay so that that's a whole yeah that's a whole thing that it's difficult to happen like it's it's difficult to happen in itself it's very difficult for someone to eat to look at themselves and acknowledge that what they're doing is wrong mm-hmm. and correct themselves mm-hmm and in addition to that, go educate themselves so that they are no longer wrong on what it is that they're feeling.
0: I think the, I think the best ways to expose yourself to people that are different is what I said.
1: Okay, but people, people, not everybody wants change, Gina. People are very comfortable in their ways. I understand. Okay, that. so your suggestion, go change the way you feel. Everybody, everybody who feels this way. I'm not this saying way. everybody. You're saying evil. these people. These people need to just educate themselves. Yeah. Okay, which means they need to change. A lot of people don't want to change. Okay. They're very comfortable. They don't want to hear So then what about, makes
0: you think that then.
1: <laughs> what I'm suggesting. But
0: that still makes no sense. Then what makes you think that teaching them in school. Because you're, you're saying embedded into the curriculum. If people don't want to change. What makes you think them learning it in a curriculum is going to make them change. Because
1: you're talking about. Or you're, you're, I'm, you're referring to older people i'm referring to the younger generation
0: okay i i so obviously we're talking about two different things
1: yes i'm talking about starting it from the ground up okay, okay? and letting it obviously the older generation that's going to have to fade out and die out but starting something different from a new generation okay, okay. and bringing that up as okay. a new way of thinking and seeing
0: i don't know about it being put into curriculums um I, I, I feel like we can go back and forth of course on this. We can. I feel like we can go back and forth on this for uh, quite some time. I do honestly think that um, for you to say that they have an unbiased opinion, I feel like more than likely in their household they're being taught biased opinions. So they may already go uh, into what, it no, with...
1: I think what I said was they have a biased opinion.
0: No, you said... You, if you're talking about the younger generation, you said they're unbiased. Yeah,
1: the younger generation... Mm-hmm. It, no, I said if you take someone with an unbiased opinion. Correct. I didn't say the whole gen- younger generation had an unbiased opinion. Yeah. But if you take someone with an unbiased opinion, mm-hmm. okay, and you, and you teach them something, mm-hmm. you're more likely to have an influence on them in the way that you're teaching them than someone who has a biased opinion. Okay. Okay. If, that's, what, that's all I'm saying. And so you're more likely to find those in a younger generation. Okay. That's where, that's where I see the opportunity.
0: Okay. And when are you running for president, Evil?
1: 2027.
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> it sounds like he was like, and that is my platform, yeah, that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
1: that's where, <laughs> That's how I plan on changing the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think in addition to texturism, there is something that is, I feel like, there is, an, there is another ism that directly concurs, or not concurs, goes concurrent with texturism and its colorism. Uh, and again, I myself, I can speak to this directly. I am the only person in my entire family that is of this complexion. I was told that my grandmother, my dad's mother, was my complexion, but she passed away before I was born. So I never got to see her. Uh, and she died when my dad was very young. So there was like no photos of her. So I don't know. The only person that was ever able to confirm this. Was my grandfather who was also deceased. When um, he saw me for the first time. He actually had like fucking aha moment when he saw me. Because he said that I was like you know I look just like my grandmother. That uh, I have her middle name. So that being said. There is a discrimination within the different colors in the Latin community. Um, and you and I spoke about this and this is not something that you feel like you've ever experienced. And I can understand why because you are considered what is the more favorable complexion. I
1: haven't Okay, well, let me let me let me correct you. I haven't experienced it in a way where it's directly affected me, but mm-hmm. I've experienced it indirectly. How so? Like I've been in I've been in situations where you know, I've seen it happen in front of okay. me. You know, it's not I've experienced the act of it happening. Oh, okay. But not directed at me personally. Okay. Second. That's what I mean.
0: Okay. Um I will say that I think Latino families are very color conscious. Yeah. They they will speak directly to a particular person's colour coloring in their family and they there are many names you know like me i'm considered right and then there's moreno and then there's mulato and then there's um there's another one oh um indio I'm
1: a, I'm just negra.
0: yeah negra indio like there's all these like different terms that are said for the different variations of color uh and of course because we all live here in in America. And for for
1: the, for those of you who don't know or that are watching and listening, all of those things we just said are just different uh, ways of saying dark or black.
0: Yeah. But it's like different variations of the color. Yeah. So like treguenito means like like I'm brown, like I'm I'm like a shade of brown, right?
1: Uh no it, it just yeah, it's okay, yeah, it's it's hard to really like pinpoint the shade of Mm -hmm. brown but it's just it's a it's like a darker complexion of brown yeah it's not like dark dark where you're super dark Mm -hmm. um but you're very very dark brown
0: okay oh and there's other there's another one that i left out which is indio which is, you know, someone who looks more Indian Spanish, mm-hmm. which that tends to I've actually seen that a lot in people that come from like more like central Latin America that they have, uh, you know, a native um, a native Indian in them. Anyway, so yeah, the Latin community is very color conscious. And again, I experienced this firsthand. I fucking felt like like literally I was the black sheep in my family. I had no fucking clue. I literally felt like I was an alien sometimes. I was just like, where the fuck did I come from with this hair? Where the fuck did I come from with this color? Because no one looked like me. My one uncle, like when he tanned, he kind of got like my color. But like when I tanned, I was like 10 times darker than him. So like it like almost didn't fit. But um, I actually grew up with a grandfather that, um, again, this is another ism that is directly derived from racism. So my grandfather was very racist against black people. And I knew of stories as to why he had this particular um, level of racism in him and it from what I understood was is that he had several bad experiences with people with black people in the area where he lived like his his job had gotten robbed or whatever it was so he spoke very poorly of black people but when I tell you that he praised me and my coloring and my features so I sometimes was very confused by like what was happening because a lot of the times when I was growing up the only other time that I saw someone that was like close to my complexion, because where I grew up, there wasn't like a lot of there wasn't a lot of Hispanics, um, but there was a good amount of, of black um, people. I felt like they were my closest relatives, like so like I was just very fucking confused. I was like, how can he talk so shitty about but then like praise me Um and it was like a very confusing thing for me growing up, but um, I've seen it very prevalent in the Latin communities where if you are like what is considered like a like a white Hispanic or a blanco, you are praised. If you have a different type of texture hair, like, you know, it's not as curly, if your skin is more fair, you are praised in the Latin community because... It is seen as that you have more, you have the chance of having more privilege.
1: Right. Well, I mean, don't you think that it also has anything to do with the fact that um, being being of a darker complexion associates you with a culture of people that was enslaved?
0: Oh, yeah. That's in addition to that. That's why I said it's directly derived from racism. Yeah. Um, In addition to that, um, from like, growing up and trying to just like understand how this all came about when a lot of Hispanics immigrated to this country especially like the Caribbean Hispanics I mean Dominicans Puerto Ricans when they came to this when they came to United States um, a lot of them immigrated right around the time of civil rights so they were just trying to like integrate themselves here into United States and not necessarily be directly connected to the black community because they were seeing what was happening to the black community. So they were like trying to figure out how can we like not receive the same type of discrimination and racism because some of them were of a lighter complexion. So it was like a little bit easier for them to navigate. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, they were, they were, um, what's that called? They were white. They were, they potentially could pass. They could be like white passing. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, I feel like that then just started to trickle down, where because some of these Hispanics that came to this country were able to like kind of like you know uh you know find a way through like navigate their way through this like these avenues of racism and and you know um discrimination because they had a lighter complexion, I feel like that started to be taught in the households where like listen. Don't get too much sun. Don't get too dark because then, you know, like you're going to be looked at like, you know, you're black. Um, And growing up, I heard that type of language. I heard that type of conversation a lot, you know, yeah. and it made me it made me not understand like who I who I really was, because now now I know after, you know, doing some extensive research into my ethnicity i am like more black than i am hispanic which is which i wasn't surprised um you know and i would say in the last like maybe two decades i like identify as like afro-latina because i've come to find out that i'm like i don't know 60 almost 65 percent african and if anybody knows the heritage and the culture of puerto ricans and dominicans Um, Our islands were colonized by Spaniards that brought slaves with them. And we are just, we are just a fucking, just throw that all in the pot and that's what we are, you know. And there are some that have more European in them and there are some that have more African in them. And I'm one of those people. So it was very confusing to me to like, I, I just didn't understand like, why was it my complexion was looked at like less valuable, right? Uh, and it wasn't until uh, I was in high school, I was in English class, uh, my English teacher, I'll never forget, Mr. Wright, he had us watch this movie and it was called uh, Mississippi Masala. And it was a movie with Denzel Washington where he falls in love with an Indian girl. And it was crazy because her family was from Uganda And they were expelled from Uganda, from Edi Amin. So they, and when I say expelled, they they were basically told to get the fuck out. Excuse me. So her parents had an extreme hatred towards black people because they were pushed out by an African out of their home. And then, you know, their daughter was a darker skin Indian. So she was looked at as like harder to marry off. So then she falls in love with a black man. And her parents are like fucking livid. And this was the first time that I had seen colorism before. And it was colorism directly tied to racism. So here it is. A people within her community telling her that her comp- her complexion wasn't seen as favorable. But please don't go be with this black man because that's even worse than what you are. Yeah. And I remember just sitting in class, being like, "Holy fuck, this exists in other cultures!" You know, I was like fourteen years old. This is like opening a whole new world for me.
1: Yeah, well, I used to see it happen all the time in the Dominican Republic, where you know you would have um, lighter-skinned Dominicans, you know, hating on darker-skinned Dominicans. Yeah, um, and even you know calling them you know negro de mierda which is you know, you know, black pos. Wow. Yeah, you, you know, when you get into an argument, that was a, just something that would just roll off the tongue. You know, even at, even at the, you know, where, when I used to have the shop, you know, some of the employees, you know, they would get into it and you'd hear that fly across the shop like. Wow. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy.
0: That makes me feel yeah. so like.
1: This is what I was saying to you: is that it like, brings that's, me, yeah, like that, I. That's what. That's how I experienced it. You know, it never was directed at me, but I used to see it happen all the time, and I'm like, what's, like, what, 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 what are, we, what are we doing here? Like, is this for real right now? Yeah. Like, how are you racially hating on each other when you're the part of the same culture? It blew my mind. It totally blew my mind.
0: That got me very emotional.
1: Yeah, yeah well, It was it. Was it was tough to see? I am... Um Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't. <laughs> no, it's okay. Hey, you didn't know that that was gonna be <laughs> no, emotional. Actually, yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely. Um,
0: it's just honestly, I just, it's the, it's, um, it's disgusting to hear, is what it is. Yeah. It's because, um, it's so, it is so mind blowing to me, for ethnicities and races to look down upon someone because of their race. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I'm sorry, because of their color. So I'm just. I'm just so taken back by that because it's like that is the one thing that is actually a social construct. Races, because we are humans. Yeah, we just are from different regions of the world, so we look, we have different features. We look different, and these features are meant to adapt to our climates. So, it was actually, I actually just worked on a job where I met a guy who lived in the French Alps. And he was talking about how much he skis. I was, like, making jokes with him. I was like, yeah. I was like, this melanin, um, we don't do too well in the snow. And I was like, you know, you're, like, designed to be in this, in that environment, you know. Mm -hmm. And him and I just, like, you know, we had this great conversation. And he kind of knew exactly what I was talking about. I was like, you know you think about it when you see someone that from those type of regions you know they have a fairer complexion they have lighter eyes which adjust to the sun differently you know they have smaller nostrils so they don't breathe in a lot of the cold air but then you have people that are from like africa that have wider nostrils because the altitude is different so they have to breathe in like like and they have deep melanin so that they can absorb the sun and then you have people from the caribbean that you know we have a Type of texture hair that is meant for the humidity. We have melanin in our skin to absorb, this like we we are just designed for these for but these climates. Isn't
1: isn't the, isn't the melanin and the darker skin complexion? Isn't that to protect you from the sun? Yes,
0: um, but that's what I mean. I said we are designed for those climates.
1: You're you throwing me off when you said absorb absorb the sun.
0: Yeah, because. The melanin h- allows us to absorb it and not be harmful to us. So, for example, someone who is a fair complexion they don't have as much melanin. So when they absorb too much sun, they burn. I never burn. Have you ever seen me burn?
1: Yeah, I just never. I never looked at it as as yeah. as, as being as absorbed. I always looked at yeah. it as it be blocking.
0: No, it it um you can't really you can't really block the sun.
1: Well, it's. I mean, I feel like the darker the the darker color reflects it.
0: It de- you mean it deflects? Like, yeah, deflects. It does, but um, you're still gonna absorb a, a very good amount of it, despite uh, um, depending on how much of your skin is exposed. But so it's
1: it's for protection though. Like the coarser hair is to protect the scalp. So, like, it's it's designed like that for protection.
0: Yes. But what I'm saying to you is it's, it's just, designed. You're throwing me
1: off with the word absorption. That's all I yeah. got. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's
0: designed to protect, but it's also designed to absorb. Because think about it. In some of the Caribbean climates, it's very humid. So, if, um, like, when it's humid, my curls feel the best. Like, when it's cold outside, my hair is like, my hair is like, what the fuck is going on? Like, my hair is designed for that climate. Mm-hmm. So, like, I used to make jokes with a lot of the women that um, I do makeup on that are deeper complexions. They were like, oh, my dark circles. And then they'd be like, you know what? You have these dark circles and they're pr- really prominent right now because it's really cold outside. You're probably getting less sun. And your under eye area, it's a little bit darker naturally because you are meant to be of a deeper complexion because when you have more sun on you, I go, are they as prominent? And they're like, and I can't tell you how many women would be like, no. And I I would say to them, that's because you're designed to be where there's sun more often, you know? Where someone of a fair complexion, they don't have the same type of features. Um, I mean, but honestly, like I could go on, talking yeah, sure. about I could go on talking about my experience with colorism um, but it's again this is another thing this is another ism in the Latin community that is directly connected to the black community there is colorism in the black community you know the lighter the lighter skin blacks are considered the more favorable those are the ones that you that society will push out in entertainment and in TV you don't necessarily see as some as some of the married some of the more deep skin, uh, black people just like um when i was growing up when i was growing up on tv a lot of the latinas that i saw were all light i i and the one time that i thought that i saw a dark skin latina which was in the original west side story rita uh moreno i come to find out later on that they painted her skin darker and here I am, like, oh wow, wow, she kind of looks like yeah, me. Yeah, well, because
1: you know they wasn't trying to let him in, so they had to take one of their own and paint them. Paint no, them. no, no, no. Well, they had to paint her darker.
0: Well, she, she's, she is hundred percent Puerto Rican.
1: Right, but they were, if they were trying to portray a, 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 you know, a dark skinned person on TV, at that, I think, in at that time, you know, they weren't really allowing people like. Of that color to be on screen and and filming them.
0: No, um, I, I, absolutely not. That's
1: what I'm saying. So they had to take a lighter one and paint it darker. Yeah,
0: and you know, I remember watching that movie for the first time, and I remember being such an awe of her and being like, wow. I want to be like her. Mm-hmm. Everything free in America. Because she Anita, she was a badass in that movie to me. And then I find out later on that they painted her darker. But in the new West Side Story, which I highly recommend, the girl who plays Anita is my complexion. She's beautiful and she's badass. There's actually a scene in there where they play out colorism. And I remember being in the movie theater with my two best friends fucking crying my eyes out when I saw that scene because she was told that you are too dark to pass. And that's that bullshit. And, you know, sadly, it still exists in the world that we live in today. And I hope that the generations to come will just understand that there is no joy in that. There's no happiness in that when you try to divide people based on their color or their hair or or whatever ism you choose. At the end of the day, I think we're just all we're just all humans. And, yeah, we may look different, but I think we all kind of want the same thing. Just uh, put
1: it under all categ- one big category and call it bullshitism. How about that?
0: <laughs> it's a bunch of fucking bullshit. Uh, but we're actually going to wrap it up a little early today. I think we're uh, testing out the waters of something a little new. Yeah. Because um, I think that um, Evo and I could just like, we could talk. Uh, but I was like, you know what? Let's try to go a little bit, you know, wrap it up a little bit earlier tonight to see where this takes us.
1: Well, I mean, I think that we were trying to show consideration to, you know, people and the in the time that they have, and kind yeah. of, you know, really compact the show into something that w- fell within the range of an hour to see how to
0: our, see how that goes. See
1: how our viewers and listeners took yeah. to that. So this is a test run.
0: But um, I want to thank everybody for listening to us or watching us yes. today. Uh, however, you choose to consume our content, we greatly appreciate you. And if you would like to. I'm not telling you to, but if you'd like to, you could go ahead and hit that like button, that subscribe button, that follow button, whatever button tickles your fucking Don't fancy. do
1: the donate button.
0: Yo, press that shit, B.
1: <laughs> the best nation is the donation, <laughs> baby. Let's get it.
0: Uh, But um, like I said, that brings us to the end of the show. So until next Friday, everybody, peace, peace out. out.